Feeling tired at the gaming table? Want to hear foul-mouthed jackasses poke fun at gaming companies when they screw up? Want an honest, street-level opinion from a team of gamers that call it like it is? Then Blunt Force Gamers may be the podcast for you. Listener discretion advised. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and gamers of all ages, it is us. I am your host, Game Goblin, sitting alongside, I will introduce you, Darth Blasphemous, hail to the dark side. And on the other side of me is sitting, Kazarkan, the Lord Dragon. And we are the three amigos. Trademark. At this point. <laughs> At this point, yeah. It's... Patent pending. <clears throat> Don't worry, there's actually a Hispanic in the party. Yes, yes. I'm still trying to figure out how that happened to me. <laughs> well, there was an ad put out to fix your lawn. No, no, like, literally, dude. Like, I can show it to you. It's in my closet right now. My medical transcripts from over a decade ago when I almost died and it was, like, shipped off to the emergency room and put back together again. The doctor listed me as Hispanic. <laughs> I, 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 I like tacos, yes. I love tacos. I was unaware, however, I liked tacos so much that they were in my blood. I don't know. What, was your nose covered in some large bandage before he got there? No, actually, my nose was just covered in blood. In fact, my whole face was covered in blood, so, you know, I guess it was kind of hard to tell. Maybe it gave me kind of a rustier skin tone, you know, having my entrails. All the iodine. All the iodine and stuff, you know, my entrails becoming my extrails. So, interesting thought, topic for today, boys. Mm, what's that? Hit us with it. So, it's a conundrum I've been dealing with, but it's when you're running a campaign, how do you run it with the real world we know locations? Think about it, you want to run superheroes, right? Silver Age Sentinels, you've set it up, you're running it out of Seattle, the nearest major city to us. Yes, it's a shithole. Everyone starts in a dumpster. Everyone ends in a dumpster. That's how it goes. Mm-hmm. But how do you run that, especially for someone like me who's not from there? What if you want to run a historical piece, do a, a, a moderate fantasy game in more of a uh, fall of Rome, you know, the actual beginnings of the Dark Ages? Start small. Work my way up. There we go. Episode done. <laughs> Like, it's a gross oversimplification, but he's kind of right. Like, True, but I mean, there's only so much research you can do, especially if you have a cram, you know, you've got school, you've got work, you've got other stuff to do, family, what have you. And then you got to get around to getting this game prepped in a set amount of time. Like, is this something where you do it in the background and build up to it? And then you're like, all right, guys, I've got a plan. Or is it one of those things where you say you're going to do this, say, drunkenly while you guys are talking to your other game mates and they're tired of the current world, and then you realize, holy shit, I need to set up, you know, the fall of Rome as the beginning of our adventure. I mean, so, in one way, if you start small and you build an entire world from that premise, you can start from there and build up. At the other token, if you're... You know, if you don't have that sort of time to prep, you can kind of hack hacksaw your way into creating that same thing. It just isn't going to look quite as refined. Well, we could start out, say, uh, I'm running a game in Seattle. All right. We're going to do, say, Vampire the Masquerade. I can go two routes of this. Number one, almost all of my players are guaranteed to know something if not be very fluent with Seattle, its surrounding territories, and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Geographically, it's uh, 15 miles from the tallest point to the, uh, basically the northern tip to the southern tip of Seattle, within city limits, with a maximum width of 10 miles at its widest point, mm-hmm. which is a lot of square miles to deal with when you actually feel like calculating it, and I don't. But we all know water. Yeah, and of course we got the waterfront. Almost everybody's fluent with Pike Place Market, which is uh, often seen and featured in television, film. It's it's like the Space Needle and the Pike Place Market are the two big draws. The big draws. Ferris wheel, which Q never knew, or Goblin never knew anything about. We don't talk about Q here. 
He's an asshole. <laughs> Come on, you've watched the Star Trek. We know that he's an asshole. Yes. Yes, yes and the fucking Ferris wheel. Where the, where the fuck did that come from? That <laughs> is Apparently it's been there for years. That is giving me some severe Mandela effect shit right there because <laughs> I used to live downtown. No Ferris wheel. I, I literally lived viewing that portion of Seattle from my front fucking porch. No Ferris wheel. No Ferris wheel. Well, it was that or the Borg, so, you know, the infinite quintessence gave us that. Something. Anyway, uh, for locals, though, if you mention, like, the Five Point Cafe, almost everybody knows where that's at and how good the goddamn coffee is and that they serve uh, all-natural sugar, not uh, granulated. So that's a landmark right there. The Hurricane is a landmark. Best Cafe is a landmark. Uh, Green Lake is a, ban- uh, a fucking landmark. You know that if you head to uh, a certain spot in Seattle, and I could show it to you, just bound down by Second and Union, if we look over by the hospitals and we go just a few streets uh, uh, westward, uh, wait, eastward, sorry, if we go a few streets east until we're at the top of the hill, one of the buildings, when the sun starts to rise, has kind of a rosy glow to it, and actually looks like a giant fucking penis. Mm. We all know on the south side, if we go to the Smith Tower and you look at the history of Smith Tower, that it was actually one time the tallest building on this side of the Mississippi. That there's a glass ball that you can go up into in the Smith Tower. I wouldn't recommend going into that neighborhood, especially now. Back uh, when I lived in Seattle, it was a shit neighborhood. Now it's got to be even worse. A lot of people know about uh, where White Center is or where Renton is. Mm-hmm. You know, So... Going on that uh, tangent there, a lot of these landmarks and stuff, people know where it's at if we're locals. But if they're not locals, I would start small. Say if we're doing the vampire game, everybody starts in downtown. you know. And I could show them photographs, pictures. We can take a day trip down to Seattle if we wanted to. It wouldn't be that hard. Pull up Google Street View. We could pull up Google Street View. All sorts of pleasant tools. All sorts days. of pleasant tools that we could use these days. The other route I could go with... And since I, I started out with Vampire the Masquerade specifically for this reason, is they have a, a guidebook called Seattle by Night, which already incorporates the whole vampire mythology of World of Darkness with Seattle, and as well as any other book. If I want New York by Night, or Chicago by Night, or Berlin by Night, Paris mm-hmm. by Night, Mexico City by Night, they have a supplement book for this to help describe the city, its inhabitants, local landmarks, and resources that I can use as a game master to help make the game a setting more realistically tangible for my players. That is awesome. It is super awesome. Yeah, like, that's that's really cool. If they hit most of the major cities, you know, booting about, that's a lot of data that they've had to sift through and adjust. That's cool. Absolutely. They did a lot of work and research, especially back in the second edition days. If I don't have that resource, though, I'm going to start with local landmarks that everybody knows. If we're doing a, a vampire game in St. Louis, everybody knows about the arch. And pretty much any photograph shows you what the surrounding neighborhood looks like. And you can see it pretty much from street level, what the inhabitants are wearing, what uh, buildings are nearby, what the most popular car is on the street at any given day, just by the photograph alone. Mm-hmm. Everybody knows uh, in Chicago about that weird fucking building. The one with the weird sloped roof on it looks kind of yeah. like a pencil. Yeah. But the rest of Chicago, all I know is that if you get street level, it's nothing but bullets and uh, gun laws. Uh, what about Detroit? Uh, Detroit, last I saw, was like a dumpster on fire. Uh, I could say more about that, but that would be edging into... Um... <laughs> Territory we don't want to go. That's oh, I, I think we're already episode. being shadow banned, and I don't, I don't want to make it worse. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so... But, but yeah, there, there's ways to do that. But what about if you want to do more of a period piece? You're like, all right, we're going to do turn of the century fucking, I don't know, Mobile, Alabama. Turn of the century, Mobile, Alabama. That's easy. That is super easy. Because Mobile, Alabama is not a um, metropolis at the turn of the city, or turn of the century. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's not a major landmark uh place that you would expect to hear like San Francisco or Seattle or Miami you know it's Mobile Mm -hmm. Alabama yeah it's a big place it has a thriving infrastructure it has a lot of economic power behind it and all that stuff so if I was doing turn of the century Mobile Alabama first step I would do and this is of course one of the things that puts almost every game master on a watch list is I would look up laws culture customs technology of that era 
and build it simply and start off with baby steps. Be like, one of the first things is Mobile Alabama at the turn of the century had electricity, not everywhere. So gas lamps were going to be very common. Mm-hmm. Kerosene was going to be very common. So, and this was, of course, uh, pre-prohibition if it's turn of the century. Yeah. Therefore, there's no nightclubs. There might be a gentleman club or two, but more often than not, all of the people playing in that game are going to find saloons, and the saloons are going to have a very low population of females in them, and the only gals that are going to be there are probably workers. Working girls, yeah. Yeah, they're they're not going to be there to uh, enjoy the libations because women did not start historically becoming part of the drinking culture and doing nightclubs and stuff like that until after the prohibition. So first thing I would look at is the life and times of that era and the technology of it before going, all right, everybody's in Mobile, Alabama. It's 1901. Mm-hmm. Let's go. Not to mention that's also, I believe, part of the Bible belt as it's known. It is. So that would be like super religious at that time. Yeah. It would, it would stand the fact that, you know, you could be walking around midday as your player characters, you know, uh, supernatural adventures, you know, getting ready to take on them darned werewolves up in the hills. And there's a street preacher at the corner by the feed and tax store standing on top of his wagon, thumping the Bible. Mm-hmm. That, that would be very commonplace. Oh, I've seen it in modern days, so. Right. Oh, yeah. I mean, these are just some of the things. Like, world building is awesome when you're doing, like, the homebrew campaigns at that point. Random name generators are your friend. Oh, yeah. Trust me, it's hard to come up with a thousand names for a thousand places. Well, if we're doing Mobile Alabama, that'd be easy, though. I mean, like, every gal would be Sarah or Bobby, you know. And every guy would be James Robert. In yeah. various aspects. But this is giving people good tools for, like, if they have to research, what level of research to go to. Because my first thought was, all right, I'm going to redo this world. I'm going to throw it into the future. Major catastrophe happens... Old or Middle Seattle gets leveled because Old Seattle's already underground. You you don't even have to do a major catastrophe. Not even, look at okay again. We're gonna go back to Mobile, Alabama. All right, what does Mobile look like right now in 2021 compared to what it looked like in 1921? A lot different, I imagine. Massively different. That's gonna well, be true of any place you're that, looking at. That's any place you're looking at, unless it's like one of those far off, you know fucking podunk places out in the middle or of nowhere. Or the old country. Yeah. Or in the even old then, country. Even then, there's still going to be some significant, if not necessarily drastic changes. Yeah, there's going to be drastic changes. Like, For example, you brought up Paris before we started recording, and mm-hmm. one of the major things that happened to Paris that kind of gets so overlooked, but it's a historical fact, that up until a certain point, the streets in Paris were really narrow and compact. And then World War II. <laughs> and then they did a lot of rebuilding, of course, after World War II. But even before World War II, they were already on projects to expand the streets. Mm-hmm. They were already widening the streets. So even the geography of a city, you don't need a massive cataclysm. It could just be basically urban planning has decided that due to our population density, we need to open up these areas or purchase land over here or build different kinds of buildings in this sector. Right. And, you know, depending on how high fantasy you want to go, right? Let's take the Seattle example again. Magical technoclasts. The whole world does its crazy shit, and somehow magic's involved. It fucked everything up. Mm -hmm. It's a pretty basic thing. Again, you're future-looking. But with that, you're also sort of playing at it in the same way Rifts would, which is there are certain landmarks that might have survived, pockmarked, like the Space Needle may have you know, survived with a couple of cannonballs and maybe a hole missing, but it might have stood the actual events leading up to the world of rifts. Mm-hmm. Not to say necessarily afterwards, but again, some of the major landmarks for any given area are more likely to be at least recognizable even in a decrepit state. Yeah, like uh, in rifts, so if we're going to go on landmarks, you know, and starting off with landmarks, because that gives everybody a good frame of reference uh, starting off when you do a game uh-huh. is to have landmarks, especially those that are established and rooted in reality with a game that's uh, essentially rooted and based in reality. If we're playing Rifts, 
Mount Rushmore is still there. Mm-hmm. So you can have that landmark. The characters could be going off doing uh, New West adventures in rifts. They're fighting off a bunch of Simvin monster riders. They decide to retreat for a while to regroup, recharge, and get back to fighting. But in the interim, they need a place to hide. And one of them sees the face of George Washington off on the horizon. Well, that just grounds my Rifts game in reality. That just tells them that, yes, this world is connected to our world for one thing. So that gives people an emotional uh, connection right there, even on a very low level. On the other hand, it makes them go, yes, this is our Earth. That that That's Mount Rushmore over there, guys. We can go see Mount Rushmore in-game. Other uh, places that had survived, other than Mount Rushmore, I believe the Washington Monument still exists in Rifts. I'm not 100% sure on that one. Uh, there's there. that's kind of actually cool an amusement park that survived uh, the Rifts' uh, encroachment on the world. There's, there's plenty of landmarks. Of course, the Grand Canyon is still there. Well, yeah, that's kind of hard to get rid of. That's kind of hard to get rid of. I mean, you need a shovel and a lot of fucking time. Lots. Excavators and bombs might work, too. I mean, mm-hmm. you could widen it into a into something that wouldn't be as easily or recognized. Or level it into a smaller depression. Exactly. Yeah. Most of the buildings would go away, but the more permanent uh, like sites would the, definitely still be there. Yeah, the, the, the big lands might get a little... More. Blown away, but actually, no. The pyramids are still standing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the great pyramids and the pyramids in Giza and all that—they're still standing in Rift's Earth. So, if players are playing in uh, World Book number, I want to say three, Rift's Africa, yeah, they can see those. Mm-hmm. You can go to the pyramids. I wouldn't suggest it because bad things there. Uh, New Egypt is an evil place. I mean, kind of, sorta. Rifts Earth. Rifts has a lot of crazy stuff going Rifts on. Is, yeah, Rifts is a whole fucking shake and bake bag of crazy. Regardless, <laughs> there are landmarks there, and I think one of the first things I would do when any city adventure is look at the landmarks. Again, Mobile, Alabama. What landmarks did it have in 1921? I would look that up mm. because that would give people so a hit frame up the of tourist reference. guide for one. Yeah, a tourist guide or a quick Google search. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I, not Google, but. You get the idea. DuckDuckGo. I would DuckDuckGo that shit. Because that's the way I roll. (laughs) Quack, quack. And, you know, it's... And you can also use some of the slightly lesser known ones, right? Like the the hydro dam that powers much of the state that we live in. Uh, Exactly. Right? That's probably still there because it's built with longevity in mind. Well, it's just like in Fallout New Vegas. The Hoover Dam is still there. Mm-hmm. There's a big fight over it. You could have a campaign where you're fighting over a landmark. Yeah, you know. So I, I would start with landmarks because everybody, you know, when it's a landmark, almost everybody has heard about it or has some sort of passing knowledge about it. Mm-hmm. Like I've been to the Washington Monument. I've stood up in that spire, taking photos. Exactly. Now let's let's give it another way. So say you want to do a campaign in Madrid, Madrid, Spain. Spain. All right. Okay. What am I doing in Madrid? What what time era? Uh, what are we doing here? So we're doing doing a high fantasy campaign. It's Madrid during the Reconquista. The the uh, African Moors still controlled the southern half of the country. So, ah, so we're having a lot of religious fighting going on. It's basically oh yeah, it's, it's crusades. Yeah, yeah it, that's the, definitely uh, crusades. The Western era. crusade. But high fantasy would add a huge twist to it. Oh yeah. All of a sudden, you've got clerics and paladins that have actual tangible powers. powers. Well, basing it on Madrid and fantasy, you have a lot of wiggle room as a GM because you're going to have a lot of room to make shit up as far as geography is concerned. Mm-hmm. Because last I checked, uh, there are no known photographs. I could be wrong about this, but there's no known photographs that I know of of Madrid... Before the invention of cameras. Well, that's when you probably would have to go into more historical descriptions. Yes, yeah, so you'd have to go into historical descriptions of what medieval life was like in Madrid during the Crusades. And base your choices off of things like how the buildings are built. Mm-hmm. You know, because they have a distinctly different art style to their buildings. Yeah, architecture than they do, say, in Paris. Mm-hmm. They have different uh, architecture than they do in Germany. Even though the three countries are really fucking close to each other, 
some share borders, they still look different. Yeah. yeah, it's it's the materials that are nearby. It's the 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 craftsmanship that has to go into those materials. There's a lot of stuff. Their own yeah. customs and beliefs. Their own customs, culture, and beliefs. Yeah, exactly. It's like when we use the uh, example of Seattle. I usually laugh my ass off internally, anyway, when somebody says, "I walk up to random stranger and ask," <laughs> because. Here in Seattle, we have this thing called the Seattle Freeze. It's not that we're trying to be impolite. It's just that we're too busy. We don't give a fuck. And we're not... We're friendly, but we're just not touchy-feely, let's go do shit together friendly. Yeah, you're, you're not it's, exactly... I'll be polite about it. It's like, oh yeah, it's, it's down that way. Well, here in Seattle, you know, like, how you doing is not a question. It's a greeting. Mm-hmm. See you later doesn't mean I want to see you later. It just means that I might see you later, and I'm and we're still on good enough terms that I will acknowledge your existence. You know, so we have the Seattle Freeze, and walking up to random people and asking questions, people are usually a bit standoffish here in Seattle. It's not the land of Birkenstocks and hippies like everybody believes. We're actually a bunch of assholes. Right? And there's also uh, a lot of the colloquialisms, like, eat a bag of dicks. Eat a bag of dicks in Seattle is a compliment. It's, hey, there's a burger joint over there. Yeah, because we had a burger joint here in Seattle named Dick's, uh, for our listeners. And Dick's has fucking awesome shakes. Yeah, and they've also, they also tend to have really good burgers for really, really cheap. Their burgers are not the best, but they're good. And they're good for their they're price. Filling. They're filling, and you can buy a bag of them. So a bag of Dick's. Is a phrase. It's like, it's dude, like you're hungry. Go. It's go like get food. ten bucks for three burgers, some fries, and a drink. Yeah, you know, so you can get quite a bit of food there on the cheap. It's gut pack. It's probably super unhealthy, but God, it's delicious. And so, yeah, here in Seattle, eat a bag of dicks as a compliment because it's like you know, I like you enough that you should have a filling meal for cheap, <laughs> right? And, and or, it's delicious, <laughs> right? And you know, at the same token, I say eat a bag of dicks over in, like, New York, I'm going to get pummeled to death. Yeah. <laughs> you know, hurt me. <laughs> well, here, the difference between a compliment and an insult is just the letter S. Because if I say, eat a dick, yeah, I'm insulting you. But if I say, eat a bag of dicks, oh, awesome. Yeah, we should go get some dicks later on. You know, dicks driving is awesome. Meanwhile, you have someone like me from a very much smaller town. And, yeah, you ask someone for directions, more than likely, they'll damn near walk you to it. Yeah, or like, um, shit, when I was living down south, you know, like here in Seattle, if you ask for directions, people are usually a little bit more precise, you know, like go down a couple miles here, or they'll even convert to kilometers if you need. Most of us will. So if we're dealing with our, our uh, Canadian neighbors, formerly free neighbors up north, and they're like, hey, I need to go to such and such store, you'd be like, oh, it's about three kilometers, then you hang a left, and they'd be like, wait, kilometers? You, you speak metric? And it's like... Only enough. Um, Only if I have. We share a border. Hello. <laughs> I still uh, say we need to build a second wall there. It, it's kind of like, you know, if I was to live down in uh, San Diego, chances are I would know a lot more Spanish than I already do. Because it's a commonly used language, and I might need to use it. So, yes, switching from imperial to metric conversion is something we here in Washington do. It's one of the traits we have. Uh, but down south, uh, where I used to live, if you ask for directions, over yonder is an actual measurement. Oh, yeah. <laughs> They'll tell you, oh, go over yonder. Then you go down to past the Piggly Wiggly. You go down. There's out. always a Piggly Wiggly. There's always a Piggly Wiggly. <laughs> yeah, you hang a left. You go down a little uh, You go down a little more down the street. It's don't always, pass the church, though. Don't, don't, don't pass the church, but you go down a little more. A little more. Right. How far is a little more? It's like say, it's like telling somebody how long, a, you know, hey, how long is a piece of string, right? You get directions about there. About this will, long. Yeah, they'll be all wibbly-nibbly, but over yonder is a, 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 good, a good couple miles. It's about a mile, mile and a half. But not too far. It's just right down the street. Or maybe and, like two or three blocks, depending on the Two or three size. blocks, yeah. It's not too far. You just go down that way. So you're like, oh, not too far. Okay, a few blocks away. But here in Seattle, we, we actually use more uh, measures. Oh, dude, it's like four blocks that way and three blocks to the left. Yeah. Like, like here, you know, somebody asks for directions, we'll be like, oh, it's about two miles here, then you hang a, uh, hang a right, go down about a mile, mile and a half. You know, so we, 
It's not precise measurements. Do you do you know where the Home Depot is? Do you know where where this is? Do you know where the bowling alley's at? I always get that from people up here. Is do you know where this one specific place is? It's near there. That's, yeah, we do a lot of landmark navigation do, here, which is weird. Like, I might be the outlier here, but landmark navigation just throws me for a loop sometimes. Well, again, though, oh, like the Home Depot is a very prominent location. Right. It's a the big bowling market. alley is the only one we've got. Because on, the other one closed. Because the other one closed. If I uh, ask for directions and, you know, I mentioned the skate rink, mm-hmm. we only have one skate rink. It's not that hard. They will know exactly. If they've seen that skate rink, they will know what I'm talking about. Because it's an obvious one-of-a-kind landmark we have here in the town we're in. It's just the way we are, I guess. But then again, every place is going to have different culture. So if someone asks for directions, say, in Madrid, in feudal times, you know, while they're still being uh, dealing with the Moors, I have a feeling they're going to give directions very differently than we do here in the north or in the south. Right, uh, a, a scene from a movie about the Crusades. The description: How do we get to Jerusalem? Head south until the men start speaking Italian, and then keep going until they speak something else. Until they speak something else. You know the scene. Yeah, that's from Kingdom of Heaven. Yes, I couldn't remember the name of it. Thank oh. you. Oh, but would you look at the time? It's Crusade o'clock. Right. Mm-hmm. So. You know, that is that's a very long distance with very little in the way of actual information. It's like now, go go that way until the men speak Italian, and then keep going until they talk well, something else. In a lot of these thing cases, uh, maybe it's uh, the writers doing it. You know, and at least they are consistent. But uh, like if you watch the TV series Vikings, or if you watch uh, Spartacus, or anything like that, when they say they're going to go somewhere. They just go that direction until they're there. Mm-hmm. They, you know, if somebody goes, oh, we need to go to this place, they go, oh, it's, you know, X amount of leagues. they just like, oh, we As have that direction. We just go that direction until we're there. You know. Yeah, it's... Fuck it's, borders, fuck your towns, fuck any that, roads, we're going this way. It's like traveling in Mongolia. You just say, all right, I want to go that way. And you just fucking go. You just go. And... Again, landmark navigation now, you can use this. And landmark navigation is actually a more modern interpretation of directions because of this we're going that way thing that you guys just described. It depends on the setting, right? You're doing semi-future Seattle where things have gone... It's like a hundred years from now, they've had to rebuild everything. They've had to rebuild everything. Well, if they just rebuilt everything, then you just might as well make up your own fucking city. Well, Just slap a name tag on it that says Seattle, but you really know it's not that guy from State Farm. Yeah. Yeah, and all you really have to do is just, like, throw a couple of broken down landmarks that are prominent, and Mm. you can do that. Be like, oh, the top of the Space Needle fell off, but, you know, the base is still there. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, it's kind of a landmark. Yay. It's not quite as prominent as it was, but uh, it's recognizable. Strangely enough, the day of that earthquake, we had a UFO sighting. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Huh. Right. MIB moments? No, I'm just... Uh, no, you look at the Space Needle. Like, if you were, like, pulled back on the top of it, like a rubber band and just let go, I mean, like, the top saucer section would probably just keep going, you know? UFO. No, yeah. see, I think that little glass bit around the bottom, that glass floor they put in would break, and then that would fling off, but the core section would still be there. Like, if we were doing yeah, Seattle kinda. back in the 80s, boom, you got a landmark in the uh, kingdom, but now mm-hmm. we've got some giant eyesore that looks like a dog bowl with a retractable roof. Mm-hmm. I yep. don't even know where it came from. <laughs> it just happened. No, no, like, seriously, um, that's one of the other things, too, that's really weird about cities. When you're doing a city-building thing, you as a GM can do just like they do in real life, like Ferris wheels that just magically appear on the waterfront out Even of nowhere. Been there since like the forties. <laughs> it was not there. <laughs> I lived in Seattle up until nine eleven. I know that town. I know which streets to walk up and down. I know which ones to avoid. None of them <laughs> had a fucking Ferris wheel. So I'm having a Maybe I timeline shifted. Maybe this is a total Mandela effect bullshit. Whatever. Uh, 
But on the other Welcome hand... Welcome to Clown World. This is totally Clown World. <laughs> totally. Uh, like, if you were in the future, like, the first thing I would get rid of, actually, is the south end of Seattle. Um, basically down uh, Pioneer Square area and all oh, that. Oh, yeah, the whole university district. Well, yeah, definitely university just district. Just wipe that away. Just, just wipe it away. No, like, I would... Uh, the Smith Tower, of course, is one of the Seattle's most... Reckon, or one of its oldest landmarks... But that's in the section of Seattle that's built on top of the tunnels. It's also, when you get down past downtown and you keep heading south, the buildings go from being modern-day concrete to old-school brick. And some of that brickwork has definitely shown over the years that the structural integrity of living on or close to a fault line can be bad for long-term structural capacity for a building to stay standing. Uh, I worked in a building where like half of it drooped. Just by like a quarter of an inch. Because half the building decided to shift. Mm-hmm. You know, so yeah, the stone, like if anything, the south side of Seattle would probably be one of the first things to go. Just because it's so fucking old and doesn't get the care and maintenance it needs to stay uh, up to modern standards. Right. And, you know, even going into fantasy, right, people are going to repurpose buildings that suit them. Right. Again, tall buildings housing commonly as well as studies or places away from other people yeah it's like the aqueducts of rome and most of the buildings after the collapse of rome a lot of the materials they used to build their empire were repurposed yeah just like they repurposed stuff from when they conquered egypt or greece exactly uh so depending on how far in the future you set your world at a certain point, you got to be like, fuck it. Is this just the name tag for a whole new city? Am well, I just I'm, going to put Chicago's name tag on a city I just made up from scratch? Well, it's also a thing about trying to give it a, a sense of... It's a world we live in, but it's a superhero world. Superpowers had to come into it. I couldn't just go, oh, fucking shit happened back in the 80s, and it just started people's powers appearing. You. The first step, though, is if you're going to do like a modern interpretation take... Uh, is know the time era you're dealing with. If it's modern mm. era, no problem. Uh, if you're going to do a little bit in the future, a little bit in the past. Like 20, I was, 50 years. Yeah, 20, range. 50 years. I'm going to say you're going to have to start doing some research. Uh-huh. You're going to have to take down notes. You're going to have to make uh, booklets to hand to your player characters to say, like, this technology did not exist during the time period in our game in real life. It mm. showed up actually three years later. You know, say like if you're doing a game 50 years in the past, that would be 1980. Mm-hmm. Modems were not widespread and commonly used. Devo had barely just uh, come out with Whippet, mm-hmm. right? So the Moog 1000, one of the most weird-sounding computer instruments, had yet to really make its uh, landing big debut. Um, Gary Newman uh, did not, I believe, in 1980. Uh, May have been 82, 83, I'm not, I'm not sure about that. But Gary Newman had not released cars yet. Yeah. MTV really wasn't a thing. So if people are expecting, you know, the cops to be helpful and just pull the videotapes from the robbery, that really wasn't that common of a practice. Yeah, to have a video camera up yeah. anywhere was rare. It had to be like a federal institution. A cell phone was a goddamn brick. And yeah. murder weapon. And one of the uh, strange problems that was a side effect of phones from that era is if you poked, uh, poked, <laughs> parked close enough to uh, specific spots, your phone would actually override landlines. Mm. Yeah, because we get like sometimes we get phone bills that would be like, "Who the fuck is calling Tampa?" Well, as it turns out somebody with a cell phone was sitting right next to the right spot that the signal would just actually like override Flip. it. Oopsies. Yeah. It'd be oopsies. Yeah, cell phones were notoriously sketchy on shit uh, at that era. So, and like, of course, uh, cars were a completely different ball of beans at that time. And, of course, you didn't have seatbelt laws all over the place or helmet laws. Mm-hmm. So, as people are like, say, if you're doing Seattle 1980 and you uh, have a scene in your um, fantasy game where a bunch of motorcyclists ride past but none are wearing helmets, well, that's actually legit. Mm-hmm. They didn't have to at that time. So, uh, of course, the culture was slightly different at that point in time. Very different. Very different, actually, yes. So, 
when you're doing your city, I would actually suggest as a GM, Mr. Blasphemous, uh, do a lot of research if you're going outside of the modern era. And if you mm. are doing the modern era, at least get familiarized enough with it to go, oh, well, these are the um, these are the landmarks in Cleveland, Ohio. I'm going to put these on my map. That way my characters in the game, my NPCs, and the player characters have points of reference. You know, like, if you're doing a superhero game and everybody's fighting over by, um... Fuck, the, the Liberty Island. You know, they're over there fighting by the Statue of Liberty. Almost everybody knows from movies and TVs what the view looks like from that point of... Uh, mm -hmm. that, blah, blah, that angle. So, that gives everybody a point of reference. Uh, and that's one of the big things that uh, I keep harping on landmarks, but... Landmarks do. They, they give people an idea, a frame of reference, distance, scale. They're the tie. They're, they're like rope. They tie things together. Absolutely. And, like, uh, one of the podcasts I listened to a while back was... Um, it was set in post-apocalyptic magic bullshit land of... I, it, I don't think it was Seattle, but it was something vaguely similar. It was a large city. Oh, uh, you said post-apocalyptic bullshit land, and I just thought Portland. Could have been for no, all I know. modern Portland. <laughs> yeah, but, you Looking know. pretty post-apocalyptic now. But, um, what they had done was adjusted, like, certain landmarks are what survived the cataclysm. And they're not always necessarily the big ticket ones, but they're ones that are recognizable. So his players and the NPCs now had this tie-in. It's like, like Goblin said, their points of reference. You know, way over there. I feel like it was Vegas. In fact, there was actually uh, not 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 to override you here too much. But, no, it's okay. Uh, actually, I was just talking about landmarks the other day with one of my coworkers, and. You mentioning post-apocalyptic. Ironically, there's a landmark, I want to say in Nebraska, mm -hmm. that would survive an apocalypse that is man-made and just sits there. It, it might be Nebraska, it might be Kansas. It's one of the Midwest oh, states. You know the cylinder on the back of a cement truck? Mm -hmm. Well, one day a cement truck was going down the road and tipped over. Mm -hmm. And the cylinder broke off. So you got this giant fucking rotating cylinder meant for mixing cement sitting on the side of the road and nobody had the gumption to clean it up they, they got the truck towed away and everything and they just left this giant fucking cylinder on the side of the road out in the middle of nowhere and it's actually a landmark now that people go and take photographs of and just go look at so man-made tourism man-made tourism so, if you're doing a post-apocalyptic game or you want to make up landmarks, damn, do it. Because uh, if you're out in the middle of nowhere and you have a point of reference like that, like anybody who's been to Kansas, wow, you can see that thing from like three miles away. Kansas right? is so fucking flat. Uh, or you go to Montana, big sky, right? I, I don't like Montana. <laughs> <laughs> see, that? well, the difference between Kansas and Montana, I was actually explaining this to somebody not too long ago. When I was in Kansas, you can see forever, right? You, you, it's so goddamn flat in Kansas that when you're standing anywhere... On the highest points you can. Okay, so you're standing on a bucket. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't have to be very high. It doesn't have to be very high. So you stand on your car or whatever. And you just look out of the horizon, and it just endlessly seems to go on for fuck all ever. And when the... Like, this, the stars start to rise on the horizon. You swear that, you know, a non-Euclidean creature might just grab a hold of the edge of the planet and start hoisting himself up. Fortunately, I know the Earth isn't flat because I've gone directions and gotten out of Kansas. So, <laughs> I know Kansas is surrounded by these things called mountains and hills. It just doesn't look like it when you're there. You just can't see them from the center. But, on the other hand, Kansas does not make me agoraphobic. Not one whit. It's just like one of those weird movies where they stand on that grid, like in a Matrix or something like that. It's just flat as far as the eye can see. But you don't feel bad about it. Now, Montana, on the other hand, is on a hill. In fact, all of Montana is a hill. It's just just a mountain on top of a mountain, packed with mountains, and then they just had those mountains face fuck other mountains. With mountain sprinkles on top. With mountain sprinkles on top. 
So when I was over in Montana, specifically Missoula, anywhere I stood, you're basically standing at the top of a fisheye. Mm-hmm. And when you do your rotation, it's like you're standing at the top of a sphere. So the horizon dips below, at, you. below you at every angle you look. So it feels like you're going to actually just fall up into the sky. I don't like Montana. So we're taking you to Montana, giving you a whole bunch of LSD. Oh. No. I won't even go there sober. Not again. I felt safe once I got back over into Idaho, man. I was like, oh, finally I'm out of Montana. Uh, how are, you know, different places are going to have different cultures and shit like that. But uh, just, I'm going to circle back now. Um, <laughs> I had fall to, off the sky and back in I had to circle back um, uh, um, um, better than nickel back in yeah you see where I'm going there okay anyway to bring it back around anyhow to make the bicycle go full circle landmarks can pretty much be anything and going on your post-apocalyptic story if I'm out in the middle of nowhere it's post-apocalypse land and I'm just nothing is out there and I'm with a uh, a couple of cyborgs and a space wizard and shit, and we find a giant fucking cylinder out in the middle of nowhere, boom, landmark. Now we have a point of reference. And, you know, from there you can navigate again, right? Oh, well, we just walked a day from that cylinder we found. Yep. In whatever direction. We have a pretty good idea where we are in the world. Mm -hmm. Hell, even landmarks can be other things, like uh, Sleepy Hollow. The hangman's tree was a landmark. Because yep. it looked different from all of the other trees. Um, Fallout had a lot of landmarks, like a lot of the transport hubs that you can find, you know, oh, fast yeah. travel. Those were like an amusement park or the statue of, you know, a dinosaur or some shit that's just big and visible. And of course, don't, don't, uh, even if you're doing modern day, do not feel bad about making shit up. Yeah. Uh, one of the things I did in a vampire game I was running um, was basically North Seattle all the way to uh, Bellingham. So you told them that the uh, Ferris wheel didn't exist. The Ferris wheel does not exist. <laughs> the I'm Ferris wheel a is a fucking lie. I'm going to get you a t-shirt of the Ferris wheel. I am bullets. going to have to go home and look up when they built that thing because it was not there when I left Seattle. It was not there when I lived in Seattle. <laughs> it was not there the second time I've lived in Seattle, or the time I lived in Seattle before that. Okay, just fucking Ferris wheel. But anyway, speaking of Ferris wheels, because that's close to the topic I'm on, uh, here in this local area that we're at, you guys know we have the flats out there. There's a big island uh, not too far from here, you know, uh, EB Island. And it's between... Uh, a couple of towns, you know, stuff. But anyway, it is pretty flat out there. And it was built... It opened June 2012. Ah, 2012, see? There we go. 2012. Okay. I thought they said they, it was uh, done after an older one. No, no, 2012. That was 10 years after I left Seattle. Asshole. <laughs> Speaking of Ferris wheels, though, the, the big flats out there, EB Island was created by a log jam about 100 years ago. And they just piled up, and eventually, boom, an island. Yeah, like... So, we have an island here, locally, that appeared out of nowhere in the last hundred years. But, I put an amusement park out there mm -hmm. for one of my adventures. Because it's a wide, flat uh, plane, and with the right proper care and maintenance and an investment into it... It could easily happen. It could easily be turned into an amusement area. So, that's what I did, in-game. Don't feel bad about making shit up. It gave a point of reference, and it gave an adventure location to my players. That was an amusement park. Dun, dun, dun. And, you know, details aren't going to be everything in this sort of thing. Like Goblin says, make shit up. The whole premise is that shit changed. So you don't have to get all the details right. In fact, getting some of them completely different gives a point of interest not necessarily a point of reference. Point of interest is also very important, yes. So having both point of interest and point of reference gives the players enough feel of the world to bring it to life 
And you don't have to go completely apeshit doing research, depending on how far you want to yeah. go. Imagine this yeah. is a point of uh, interest. Okay, uh, Best Cafe, just north of Green Lake, has, of course, the 12-egg omelet. It's a decent meal, I guess. I mean, one of these days I'll work my way up to two, but... Well, one of them gets my... Get, I'm still hungry after one. After a 12-egg omelet or a one-egg omelet? Twelve. But inside Best Cafe, there is fuck tons of pictures all over all the walls. And they have tape available. They have paper available. And they have crayons available. You can draw whatever the fuck you want. Pretty much. Mm -hmm. There are a few legal stipulations. Yeah. But virtually anything you want to put on paper with a crayon, you can. And then you can put your picture up on the wall and leave. And your picture will be up there, I think, until January 2nd or some shit like that. Because they do cycle them out every uh, year. So. Every once in a while. Mm -hmm. uh, so they take down all the old pictures and you go back in. You're like, oh, the walls need redecorating. You have some coffee. You have an omelet. And you draw a new picture you put up on the wall. But as a point of interest, a game master can use this as like, say your informant goes to Best Cafe. They sit down, they have coffee, they draw a stupid picture. Said stupid picture is actually a secret message that they're passing along to the party members. Mm -hmm. And they keep doing this as the adventure seeds. That's, yeah, that's, that is something Espionage Networks would do. That is something so, you could do in, in pretty much any situation. So I'm to admit to you guys, I've never been to Beth's Cafe. Neither have I, but it, oh. it doesn't... Every time I was supposed to go with Fatimus, something always came up. Well, last time I went to Best Cafe, uh, yeah, stuff happened. <laughs> then we broke up. <laughs> but, but but yeah, it's one of those things where like, it's just what level of research and how should you do it when you're basing it off a real life place or a specific time period. Because I looked into doing a, my gumshoe drama, you know, detective drama, and putting it back in like the 1930s or 40s. I would right. say the amount of research you need to do is, let's say I'm going to do a game based on Omaha, Omaha, Nebraska, mm -hmm. right? Population, approximately 500,000 people. Mm -hmm. Takes up a relative space of about 25 uh, square miles uh, in the local downtown this district. Uh, local geography is about the same size as the town that I currently live in. It's pretty flat, has a very large infrastructure based on uh, meat products, specifically cows. Steaks there range at a price of anywhere between $5 to $25, depending on the quality and cut. Uh, the average median pay is about $100,000 per year. Uh, the apartment prices there uh, for a one-bedroom apartment, uh, mid-range is about $800. They're ranked low, though, on medical care. And insurance, however, on quality of life, ranked pretty well. I'm still not comfortable with just that information I spewed out of actually moving to Omaha and trying to ingratiate myself into the culture and society and get a job there and live there. But I know enough that if I pass through Omaha that I would be able to be like, oh, well, I know what to expect. I would say the amount of research you need to do on a location is the same amount of research you'd have to do as, you, as if you were moving there. So if I'm going to move to Little Rock, Arkansas, I want to know enough about the local schools, the local culture, mm. the music scene, the roads, basically everything I would need to know to be able to move in there and live comfortably on my own without need of assistance. I think that's a pretty good bar to set. It encourages people to do research, which is a thing lost to this age. But mm -hmm. um, yeah, I, but, I would treat it like I'm moving there. If I'm yeah. if I'm running a game in St. Louis, Missouri, I want to know crime statistics. I want to know what, where the good neighborhoods are at. I want to know uh, which uh, restaurants have the best ratings. I'm going to look at Yelp. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm going to find out if they have 24-hour um, care centers for veterinarians because you know the cat might get sick or something. Or I you want to find the best gym. Or I want to find the best gym. I want enough information that if I were to just pick up 10 stakes here and move to St. Louis, Missouri, that I would be able to be self-sufficient. Or at, I least can, if it, at least sufficient enough to get self-sufficient. Yeah, or at least yeah to become self-sufficient within yeah. a rapid You don't time. want to move to a place sight unseen, find out you're right next to the railroad tracks, 
and the airport. Exactly. So if I'm running a game and I know fantasy and post-apocalyptic is certainly uncomfortable, but I would want to know enough about the city in any setting or situation that if I'm going to run a game that I am familiar with the geography and culture and all that stuff, that if it wasn't a game, I would be able to survive. Mm-hmm. And, you know, part of that is looking at what resources are nearby, right? As a world builder, you can look at nearby forests, mountains, rivers, uh, any natural feature of the environment in the landscape and be like, how are people going to use this to advance their culture? Well, simple. I'll make friends with the local Amish people. There's an example. Well, I'll try to. I mean, I am a heathen, but I do respect them, so... There's something to be said for craftsmanship and patience, but neither here nor there. Yeah, I know. Just saying, you know, all I need is gun, Piggly Wiggly, and Amish people. I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> that didn't sound right. <laughs> nope. Not in the least. But what you can do is sort of city plan this way. Like, you've got a couple of landmarks that you just, you know, throw into the landscape to make it scale. And then you can... You know, the town got leveled, the two or three landmarks survived because they were built to last. Sure, okay. Now, how do they rebuild making this assumption, like they've lost technology support, or they're going into magic, or exploring this new technology, or any number of variables? Even a cataclysm uh, will spawn a, a landmark new... or a place of interest. We've already seen this in New York. You know, when somebody ordered two large planes. Mm-hmm. Yep. Just saying, it became a landmark. You know, it's a point of interest now. Yeah, or like uh, Chicago, it, it's caught on fire how many times? Exactly. So when you're running your game, you know, you should be familiar with these things, especially the history of a city. If you're building your own city, you can just make shit up. But, you know, again, landmarks, uh, history, there's so much to it. Um I think I told you all I can. Yeah. Well, well yeah. We're, we made a good amount of time, but it's it's just one of those things of like, as the junior GM here, it is something I struggle with. Even when creating my own homebrew, because like I had to go and get a map off Don John, which is always helpful. And then to try and populate it, thankfully, the missus is, you know, an actual college-educated artists, so she knows how to use the programs pretty well. Ah, uh, yes, because college is what separates somebody with no talent from somebody who does have talent. Well, I'm just saying, it's better than having a, uh, mm-hmm. what you call it, a Wikipedia degree. I don't like Wikipedia. I like Wikipedia. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, I do love me those... Hey, Rule 34 on chess females, I'm all about that shit. <laughs> That's but, fair. But so it's one of those things of like someone who's actually had the training and does it professionally for an actual job is someone I'm more likely to go to than someone who's like, oh yeah, I know how to uh, draw stick figures in the dirt. So do I. Mm-hmm. My stick figures are pretty awesome. I get complimented Your on my stick figures. Your map making was very good. Actually, uh, speaking of map making... A little bit of map making. That last map that I got uh, for running the vampire game in Vista Verde, de California, was a town I completely made up. Mm-hmm. Uh, it just had enough sprinkled realism. That it, it just felt- had enough sprinkled realism because what I did with that map is just like in real life, I divided that map into different areas. Like when you guys went into the downtown area, the central hub, that was you know wealthy, affluent. You know, a lot of businesses were there, credit card companies and call centers and things like that. And you'd expect to find a downtown setting. And of course, just like any real city, the more south you go, the more city, shitty the city gets. <laughs> shitty walk. Uh, so, of course, you know, the, the houses become more dilapidated. You know, there was more fences and barking dogs and, you know, streetlights that would flicker and crap like that. It wasn't as well taken care of. And, of course, if you guys went, I believe it was more never eat shredded westward. If you guys went more westward, that was actually like the hillside where if it was Hollywood, you know, that's where the Hollywood sign would have been. But instead I put, you know, like the old uh, mining Mm -hmm. facilities up there because the town used to be a mining town. So that gave it history. that There was mines there. And then, of course, when the mines dried up, that's when the Nosferatu moved in and turned it into their uh, private necropolis. Because why not? It's there. The infrastructure's already built. And the the map was big enough that I could actually add a little area there and say, oh, well, here's, you know, a national forest. And you go more north upwards. You leave Vista Verde and go to another town. 
So, you know, don't feel for, don't feel bad if you have to make shit up. That was a completely modern city. I was making up on the fly. Mm. And pretty much all I did was go over it with a pen and just put dots on it, little symbols, and say, these are landmarks. These are important locations. Here's the stadium. It's always a landmark in any town. Yep. You know, here's the tallest building in the town, because everybody's always going to brag about the tallest town building they got in their state. Mm. You know, here is, like, the, the inner city high school that looks more like a demilitarized zone, because... Pretty much every city has one of those. Yeah. You know. And here's the spaghetti factory. Right. Oh. And as well as all this, you know, again, looking back, looking at the resources around, you mentioned mines, right? Mines bring industry, trade. So mm-hmm. now that they're trading those ores with the neighboring towns. Yeah, every city's get- built on something. Yeah, or... You know, there were a, a way station in the middle of the desert and became a gambling town. True. <laughs> See? But, but there's always some origin to it. Like, uh, my hometown, uh, it was built over 400 years ago as a trading outpost because it was near the river. And it was a decent spot where you could set, you know, sit down, have a drink and all that. Now the river isn't really used. It became a big uh, railroad place back in the back in the day after becoming a US state and everything then the railroad dried up now it's basically a military training base well exactly like if you're running a modern day campaign and you decide to set it like say you're doing a supernatural adventure mm-hmm. right? you know uh, vampires werewolves whatever uh, space aliens ghostbusters the RPG. ghostbusters and you decide okay what's the city's history is you're building your town ta- your city it could be easily said that the biggest feature of your city is that it's actually a railway way station. Mm-hmm. This is where rail cars come in to get loaded and unloaded. That was the only purpose of the town when it started. Mm-hmm. Well, of course the town's going to grow around that because they're going to need workers. They're going to need they have families who are going to need to be yeah. fed. They're going to need farmers. They're going to need stores. Educated. Yeah, education centers, uh, stores for clothing and food. Recreation facilities will soon follow. Maybe a few saloons, a movie theater. Town. That's how towns grow. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then when the railroad dies, the town slowly begins to die. Yeah, it sort of withers back yeah. in on itself, and or, only like those supporting businesses are. Well, now their business is drying up, so they have to downsize. But they still survive. Exactly. Like, Sometimes, like yeah, Seattle. Like, if somebody was to ask about Seattle, you know, in game. Mm-hmm. You know, like I know the answer. Seattle was built off of two industries: fishing and lumber. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's how it started. Fishing and lumber. So every town is going to have a now start. Now you can't fish here and can't cut down a tree without fifteen papers. Exactly. Well, you can't do anything here without papers. Paper, please. Papers. Oh, we have your papers. Welcome to Seattle. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like all joking aside, any town that you joking? find is going to have the same sort of dynamic, mm-hmm. right? Vista Verde started as a mining town. Mm-hmm. So it was ores. Specializing in coal and silver. See? So it had trade. It had... Uh, Why I remember this, I don't know. It, it's because, because it's... it's your baby. My baby. <laughs> any town that you find is going to have that same sort of thing. A river feature could be used for a granary, you know, a, a windmill, water mill sort of feature. Um, local quarries would give stone houses as opposed to wooden houses from a local forest, or mm-hmm. possibly a hybrid of both. Um, large spaces will lead to things like agriculture, cattle. Uh, mountainous terrain is going to start leading more towards ores and stone work, and the subsequent continuance thereof. And seaside can, is always going to be a fishing thing. Seaside Sometimes is always, they specialize. Maybe you can only get a certain type of sturgeon out there in the sound. Yeah. Or, uh, you know, it is entirely possible to create a trade hub. It's like, like how you mentioned the original purpose of the town you came from was it was just a way station. You sit there, you plop down, and you, tr- you sell your crap. That's like how a lot of towns started uh, back in the Oregon Trail days. Yeah, yeah when, when you have people looking to do stuff, you have places that spring up naturally around a water source, or a food source, or both, but you need a water source. But then you have the bigger towns that seem sort of in a weird spot as a trading hub. Just like we talked about Vegas, it was a way stop 
while traveling through the desert, that became the biggest gambling town that shouldn't exist. Well, shit. I mean, like, <laughs> fucking uh, Flagstaff and Phoenix mm-hmm. you know, was supposed to be the original Hollywood. Oh, yeah. So they built a town, and then Hollywood said, no, we're moving. <laughs> and now Hollywood's leaving there and moving into my hometown because the land's so goddamn cheap. I know. It's just fucking weird. Anyway, that's all I've got. I, I don't know if I can... Uh, Stretch more out of this? I... I've pretty much elicited on everything I can do. Well, it, it's just a, a good resource, because I don't think we've really talked about how to get so into the nitty-gritty on building a city, Good. or using a city. Yeah. Yeah, and like a city, start out familiar if, uh, say, I was to be living in Austin, Texas, mm-hmm. and I spent, say, five, ten years in Austin, I think I'd be comfortable enough to run a game in Austin, Texas, uh, regardless of what genre it is, whether it's superheroes or fantasy or anything like mm-hmm. that. But right now, I would not run a game in Austin, Texas, because I am totally not prepared, you know, at all. And if you have players that are from there, they will point out where you're wrong. Exactly. And that's my problem, is I've been here for almost 10 years, but I haven't absorbed a whole bunch of the culture, because my whole thing for, like, five years was go to work, go home, pass out. Well, that, welcome to Washington. Yep. Um, but but anyways, my, my final thoughts is, just like how in my game... Right now, my players decided to build a city. See, only because they found they ha- they have a secret base entrance that takes them unbeknownst to them to another dimension. They have a dimensional gate that is locked to a specific place. I, I can cure that city building. <laughs> so they they they're building a city and a man-made lake just to house their flying ship that can float on the water like a real ship. So they Again, decided well, to this is a place for economic reasons, so the, they can have a crew for their ship. Actually, that's that's a very legitimate reason, though. On the on, on that hand, like if somebody needs to build a facility of such a type, and in this case, it's an airship. Okay, now if I was to build a facility in a, a situation, let's say I'm a super rich player character, and I just love to be jet setting like your player characters are, well, the best thing for me to do. If I'm so super mega rich that I'm basically the uh, fantasy equivalent of Tony Stark, is to build my own fucking airstrip. Mm-hmm. Build well, your own I, environment to work with. If I need to build my own airstrip, then I'm going to need workers. Those workers are going to need food. Then I'm going to need stores. I'm going to need resources. They have basically, families. And this kind of stuff has happened before mm-hmm. in real life where towns have just sprung up because some rich butthead goes, ha- Hey, I want to build here. Has said, oh, I want to put a research center out here. Mm-hmm. But it's too far Los from... Los Alamos. Yeah, it's too far for most people to commute. So instead of commuting... We'll just build they, houses here. They buy nearby land, start building houses. Well, the research center may get successful as fuck. If that happens, boom. You need more resources. This happens with uh, the really far and away nuclear power plants in some cases. Mm-hmm. They'll build a, a nuclear power plant... Way far away from everybody else. So that uh, if it does go kablooey, it's So if fine. it goes kablooey, everything is fine. And then people are just like, I don't want to commute that far yeah, to work. But if it's a two-hour commute or the hours are shit, you know, you, you might as well just buy land nearby. And then, of course, developers look at this and be like, well, there's a fuck ton of workers who are working to care and facilitate for a nuclear power plant and a nearby railroad. Why don't we just start building apartments? So yep. it makes sense Put if you're playing characters wiggly. or a piggly wiggly, right? And God damn, I could use one of those right now. <laughs> well, you're stuck on that, huh? Dude, it's been years since I've eaten anything from piggly wiggly. All right, I think we're going on a road trip after this. <laughs> <laughs> Betcha. Oh goodness. All right, so final thoughts: uh, get creative, get researching, whether you're using real world or fantasy based, out of your own head or someone else's. It takes a lot of work to do it, but it can be really worth it if your players are worth the campaign. Don't throw your pearls before swine, and just really think about how much work you want to put into something. I would have to say, after uh, personal experience uh, as both a player and a GM, do not game in a modern-day setting location that you are not personally knowledgeable or comfortable about. I still have absolutely no idea of... Anything regarding Rhode Island, because I didn't live there. The GM did. And if you're a GM, at least let your players be somewhat familiar with the location you're running, because otherwise they're just going to be walking around with their dice in one hand. It's a fantasy setting. Dick in the other. Their dick in the other, being like, well, what am I looking at? It's a building. 
yes, my GM knows Rhode Island. I don't. Mm. Still don't. So it is up to you. If you're going to be a GM and conveying a city, regardless of setting, but it, of course we're focusing on modern, be familiar with that city and how to let your players know what they're dealing with. I'm out. Back to my crypt. I think, like it was mentioned, do your research consummate to how much detail you want to carry into your world if you're using uh, a modern city or even a basis thereof, right? If you're using a modern environment, do some research, find the local landmarks that make sense there, take the key points that you want and park them in your world appropriately, and then build your world as go. Because at that point, you know, all you really need to do is world build again once you've got these established points. It's a jumping board. And that's what you need to use it for, and how much research you need to be comfortable with that is going to depend on you. With that, Kazarkan, back to this guys. We begin bombing the Russians in five minutes.